you hear me okay? Yeah, man. Can you hear me? You got me? Yeah, I got you. You're good. Oh, yeah, brother. <laughs> How you doing, man? You doing all right? Oh, I'm good, man. How you doing? Man, I'm making it. I appreciate you being on here for me, dude. Yeah, no problem, dude. Anytime, man. Sorry that, like, so, you know, I'm hanging out at uh, the uh, the dungeon, man, my favorite bar. <laughs> you know, no, you're good, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wanted to get you on because I am big into the um, paranormal realm here, and I kind of consider the Bigfoot a little bit of the paranormal realm depends on who you talk to. So, and I'm very interested in the Bigfoot theories because I myself don't believe in it, but I like to get people on that do, and they try to make me believe a little bit. Does that make sense? Right. I got you. So I got got Keith Dickens on and he is a, uh, a Bigfoot hunter. Is that right? Is that what you do? Yeah. Just making sure I get you. Yep. I am the founder of the Bigfoot Hunter Society. Bigfoot Hunter Society. Uh, so real quick here, and we'll get into the whole Bigfoot thing here in just a few, but take me back to, did you have a sighting of Bigfoot to start this society, or did you just believe in Bigfoot that much and just want to start something? Okay, so very first, like, you know, I grew up small town Ohio, never had any idea what, what Bigfoot was. So I was about 12, about 12 13 years old. I live in my grandparents' house. They had four acres of uh, cornfields, soybean fields, and woods. And I was out there one day, you know, shooting my BB gun with my little brother. And we're out there. Long story short, we're out there shooting, laughing. We look out to the clearing, probably about 50 yards from me. You just see this big, dark figure, you know, kind of going through the wood line. And so I stop and I go, Hey, this is private property. Who are you, man? You out here hunting. Just a slow turn. And you just see just slow walking towards me. Man, if it was a man, that man was seven foot five. Right. And it was like, so I grabbed my little brother. We ran upstairs, ran inside, called my grandpa who was at work. I said, Grandpa, there's a big old hairy man outside. What's going on? And he said, are you sure it ain't Uncle Randy? I said, no, it ain't Uncle Randy. He could eat Uncle Randy. So that was my first sighting back when I was like 12, 13. Now, you don't happen to think it was a bear, do you? Because I've seen bears walk on their front just their front legs just for minutes at a time. So do you think that's possible? And I'm going to be hitting you from all different. It's not like I'm not saying I don't believe you. It's just I'm trying, you know what I mean? I'm trying to impact from both ways. Right. So where I'm from in northern Ohio, so we've seen there's black bear in southern Ohio that are native, right? But where I'm at, Mm -hmm. tippy top northern Ohio, there hasn't been a bear sighting since 1862. Okay, okay. So, so what made you move from Ohio to Alaska? Because you said that you're in Alaska now. Are you working there or you decided to move? Yes, I am. I'm living in Fairbanks right now. Um, so my job brought me up here. Uh, I'm in the Army. Okay. 
So I got stationed oh, okay. up there yeah, back in 2018. And not only, you know, beautiful country up here, all sorts of untapped wilderness. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. we're kind of splotchy up here, you know. Check it out. Well, man, appreciate your service. Thanks for uh, for for what you're doing, man. I really do appreciate because you, you have the balls. I don't I, I don't do, to do it, so I really do appreciate it, man. Man, it's all good, brother. Somebody's got to. It's just a job, man. <laughs> so, was that the only Bigfoot sign that you've ever had, or have you had more? Uh, that was my first. I've had two. Oh, okay. Well, go ahead and tell me the other one, man. I'm, I'm very interested. All right. So uh, my second one was probably about mm, six, seven months after that. I was on uh, my high, bus getting drove back from from high school. It was me, my buddy, and the bus driver. We were about two miles away from my grandparents' property. And it was basically a big cornfield. And we're all, you know, just smoking cigarettes, joking on the bus. Bus driver looks over. She goes, what is that? I turned around. My my buddy turns around. I, I told y'all. I told y'all. And you look over about, probably about 200 yards away, there was a big cornfield that was kind of cut down and wood line. And there he was, just walking the wood line. And from that day on, I'll say, I don't know what I saw the first couple times, but I know I saw something. And that's what kind of got me into so, this. So, so was it the same creature you saw six months before that you saw six months after? Oh, it, it, if it wasn't, it had to have been something very similar. Big old, okay. big tall man, you know, what you'd think would be like a dude in a ghillie suit, you know, with the military background. Right. You're like, oh, that's got to be a guy in a ghillie suit. But mm. about twice as big as the biggest guy you've seen in Special Forces in a ghillie suit. <laughs> Just red, shaggy hair, walking on down. So that must have had a very big impact on you when you were 12 or 13 because years later you started this this Bigfoot Hunter Society. So how, how, how did you start this group, this society, and, and how, is it, you know, how did you go towards that now? So when I first started, I, like I said, ever since I saw him the first few times, you know, I kind of I caught the Bigfoot fever, and okay. back in that day, you know, early twenty, like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, you didn't have your Finding Bigfoot on Discovery Channel or Animal Planet. You didn't have it. It was as mainstream, right, as it is now. So me and a bunch of my buddies, we'd all get together and we'd you know go stake out the woods in my backyard, go stake out the woods in their backyard. And we'd be out there like, let's just, let's just see what we can find, man. You know, let's get out here and we'll just be real quiet. We got our shotguns and hopefully something will show up. Did anything ever show up? So, unfortunately, right, which is <laughs> the, the biggest thing that people, you know, hate on believers. I mean, they're like, oh, well, so much for that evidence because he never showed up. but but we so we found a few prints that we actually we took plaster casts of okay and uh like i'm I'm sure if if you ever talked to any guys that uh i was looking up your stuff earlier i think you've talked to a couple other bigfooters before 
Yeah, I've talked to uh, Dave Spinks. He's uh, he's all over the Travel Channel and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, early on, but yeah. Okay, so we found, you know, what they would call like a Bigfoot nest. A bunch of like trees sure. bent out different ways, big grass set up. It almost looks like the way the, a lowland gorilla would set up its nest because they're mm. documented. You have footage of it. And you compare that to what we were seeing, and it was very similar. Would you be opposed to, like, the people that saw it back in, you know, the 30s or whatever they said they saw a Bigfoot sighting that do you think they saw, like, the Gigantopithecus? And if you don't know what that is, the Gigantopithecus was like a giant ape from, you know, they stood like seven to eight feet tall. It was a rare species of gorilla. And they died out, I think, the 50s, 60s, somewhere around there. So... That would be that. That's my suspicion. There is I can see both sides of. Oh, I can see how it's fake, but also if the Gigantopithecus, you know, was was killed off or whatever in the fifties and sixties, what are they seeing now? You know, and that's kind of the where I get with the 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 black bear or the, or the regular grizzly bear just sitting on its hind legs for certain minutes. But I saw the Patterson Gimlin film. Um, Yes. When was the first time you saw that, and what was your reaction to it when you first saw it? Because, because was did you see it before you had your encounter, or did you see it after? I saw it after, as a matter of fact. Because okay. at first, you know, being a 12-year-old kid from small country town, Ohio. All right, you're going to research it. In the back of your mind, you're like, I think I know what <laughs> Bigfoot is. Yeah. But you, you, uh, when you see something, you're like, I have no idea what I just saw. But yeah, mm -hmm. you, you punch it in the old Google search, and of course, you search Google. What's the first thing that comes up? Paris and Gimlin film. Always. Mm -hmm. Always. And people say, very divisive film, as you know, right? You, you've got half the people that are like, oh, that's your definitive proof right there. And then you got people, oh, that looks like Queen of the Apes, that's a man in a suit. Mm -hmm. So, I saw it about probably four months after my first encounter and i was like you know i'm gonna look a little more into it and i did the research and i still keep up to, to this very day on developments they've been analyzing this film since the 60s and yeah there's still no definitive either way right but when mm. they've enhanced it it actually shows muscle movement under the fur so the way it walks, right. you can see the flex of the the leg muscles and the shoulder muscles, and they have proven that during that year, you know, that time frame in the '60s, the best costumes they had were in the Planet of the Apes, movies. and they were still about 30, 40 years away from being able to recreate muscle movements under skin in their costumes. So if you're going to just discount that film and tell me it's fake, how could someone have access to technology into a suit that was better than the best of Hollywood could do in that time. You know what I mean? Yeah, like like you said, I've heard different you know historians or whatever you want to say that that have discussed the film and they and they do say that show me where there's a gorilla suit or a, whatever you want to call it that was made in the '60s that could do this. But didn't they declare that that was a female Bigfoot? Or Yeti, whatever you want to call it. Um, 
by judging the film and doing the research, uh, there were um, augmented, look like breasts. So uh, yes, right. the, the the assumption is that was a female Taskwatch. Yes, you were correct. Now my first thing that kind of confused me is because have you watched the full thing or have you seen just like the full fifty eight seconds or something like that? Because there's for like six minutes. Go ahead. I've watched, I've watched the film deconstructed, taken apart, put it back together about a hundred different times. Yeah, so so you know for the first like five and a half minutes, it's just plain woods and blurriness, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's just out of. But to me, that's how a Sasquatch or a gorilla would just emerge like that. It's just coming out of the wild, not knowing something's there, kind of like a deer or something. But my first confusion with it was, okay, it looked at him and knew it was doing something, was in its land. Why didn't it attack? Was it because it didn't feel threatened? Or, you know what I mean? It's just that confusion of why did it attack versus why it didn't, you know? Right. Now, if you, if you know basic primate biology, um, I'm sure you've heard of uh, Dr. Jane Goodall. Yes. Yes. She is one of the, the forerunners, you know, of great ape research. She's been doing it since the 60s. The lady's a legend. She's one of my heroes. But she has come out and personally said it makes more sense for Bigfoot to exist than to not exist. And she said, judging by its characteristics and the way it reacts for what film we do have, it acts like a bonomo, which is, if you know anything about bonomos, I'm not sure. They're, uh, they're, they're cousins. Okay. So a bonomo is a great ape species that was honestly just recently discovered probably about 20 years ago, maybe less. They are cousins of the chimpanzee. Okay. So chimpanzees are very violent, aggressive creatures, right? Right. It's primates. Right. primates go. You hear the 911 calls. You hear this chimp's ripping my face off. You know, you see them at the zoo. They're... The bonomo is basically what she calls them, the hippie cousin. They groom okay. each other. They live in small groups. They're nonviolent. They would rather avoid conflict and hide than fight. So that's kind of what the Sasquatch, from what I at least I've experienced, seems to model itself after. It seems to just be an elusive kind of shy, more, hey, uh, I didn't mean to roll up on this. I don't know who these people are or what this species. I don't know what's watching me right now, but I'd rather leave than try to fight. Right. Because you know that thing could tear human limb to limb. <laughs> there's no, there's no mistake oh, in that. If one of those things wanted to, seven foot two, seven foot three, is much muscle you can see under those films. And from what I saw, that thing could pick somebody. That thing, yeah, that thing could take e- either me or you and just tear us apart in two seconds if it wanted to. So, how much of the history of the Bigfoot are you familiar with? Like, do you know how the name Bigfoot and Sasquatch differ? Like, is is there a difference? Like, how do they say Bigfoot and or because obviously it came from the big footprint of the research I've done. So is the scientific name a Sasquatch or how, how is that? Now how it started, uh, the name Bigfoot was first coined and became famous in the late fifties, uh, Northern California up there. Uh, Jerry crew was the man's name. He found the large right. footprints around his construction site and took, 
the first plaster cast in that decade. And he got became a huge tabloid sensation. And that's how the name Bigfoot was born. Uh, Sasquatch comes from the uh, the northern, like the Canadian uh, Native American term. That has been documented and seen since the early 1600s. Right. So. Here, and I can debate this myself, but I just want someone here that can actually, you know, debate it with me is I would ask myself all the time, if this thing is real, where are the remains of the dead ones? You know, because obviously there, there's some, but then I also look at it as, well, if I'm in, you know, the woods or if I'm just in some back town, I don't see, you know, remains of a deer or bear or anything like that. So you can't, so you can kind of debunk that quickly. But how many of these Sasquatches do you think are out there? Do you think there's just like an endless species of them or do you think there's just very few around? Okay, so that you have. Right. So now so you you make a valid point, right? Because if you go into the fossil record. Right. Obviously you, you so you go way 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 back, right? The Jurassic, Jurassic Cretaceous, you're finding dinosaurs. <laughs> like, well, yeah. we can discover an animal that lived 65 million years ago. Why can't you find me proof of something that you claim still lives today? Sure. Sure. Right. But so if you go into the native deciduous forests of North America, the temperate forests of North America, mm. they are the, the way the climate works. They are not designed for those remains to stay. You've got scavengers. Not only that, all the fungus species we have now that couldn't thrive back a couple million years ago that are there now, right? The mushrooms grow up, break down the body. And now if you think these creatures have a little bit of, just a little bit of intelligence and they're trying to hide themselves and they're afraid of modern man and they're trying to avoid other predators right and if they have a little bit of intelligence like what we do maybe they bury their dead or have some kind of burial rites you're not going to find those bodies so i i feel like it's pretty that's, easy to- that's- that's what I find freaky about it. Like, what if they're just as smart as we are and they can't burn their loved ones or, you know, bury their loved ones? Because then we're just thinking about another species here. We're just like, okay, these are very, very, very human-like, you know, because, you know, it, it's just one of those weird things. But, you know, I, I want to get your thoughts on this. Like I said, I had Dave Spinks on, and he kind of drove me off of, okay – you're kind of going a little nuts on me. Was we were discussing the history and the and the and the discriminate or discrimination and stuff like that of Bigfoot, and he seemed to be on the path that Bigfoot was some type of alien. Ken, are you opposed to that, or do you have you heard that? What are your thoughts on that? Because that's kind of what I was. And no disrespect if you do think that, but I was kind of like, oh, okay, you're kind of turning this into a real ghost story you know what i mean right. they just right. up and disappear that's kind of a little too much for me to believe in my honest opinion so basically when you when you get to big footers you know you, you basically you've got two main 
kind of criteria that cut us in half, right? So I'm sure you've seen Finding Bigfoot on Animal Planet. Right. I'm sure you've heard of the big, uh, the BFRO, right? Matt Moneymaker, those kind of guys. Yes. Bobo, you know, those dudes. Who yes. believe that Bigfoot is just a sentient great ape that's undiscovered, just your regular cut and dry animal. There's no supernatural to it, right? Sure. And then you've got the other half of the community, which you were pointing out, that think either they're aliens that were dropped off from another alien species, <laughs> hybrid yeah. aliens, or some this trans-dimensional being that can jump portals and all this craziness. So yes, there's definitely two. That's that. That's a huge cut and dry. The biggest thing that cuts us as Bigfooters apart, right? So you have the guys that think it's just a lot of species of ape, and then you got the guys that think, oh, it's a supernatural alien that can jump dimensions and kidnap your babies. So, to the people that believe that kind of stuff, I'm not going to openly discredit them. Because, I mean, if you can give me evidence or show me that maybe that's true, more power to you. But I lean more to the BFRO, Matt Moneymaker, kind of, hey, this is just a species, a regular biological species that was born, evolved on this planet. They're, just, they're small numbers, and they're just here, man. They're not. There's no supernatural voodoo to them. They're just a small species of lost large primate. That has somehow been able to, you know, outsmart us and hide away from us. And you mentioned like Bigfoot Hunter because they've been on for like twelve years. They've yet to capture anything. And here's my thing to that: I think if that Bigfoot or Sasquatch is in fact intelligent, they're not going to show up. They're not going to. They're go because it could be. Let's take. We'll say if an alien spaceship, a UFO was to land in your backyard. You take a picture of that right now. You're going to take it to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. 99.9% .9 of those people are going to say, oh, that's Photoshopped. Right. You know, it's like all the ghost shows on TV. You know, Oh, that's somebody in the, in the background busting a glass bottle. So I, in my honest opinion, I think if a Sasquatch is very intelligent, they're not going to show themselves on camera that way. I just think that uh, the Gimlin film just so happened to capture one in the mirror of like 15 seconds, just out of pure coincidence. Right. No, so I, I agree totally. So, I mean, if you look at just primates that we know exist, right? Mountain gorillas, orangutans, bonomos, chimpanzees. It takes people months, months at a time to go out and stage an area and to pre-record and to record to get actual decent footage of these creatures. And so we know where they're at because unfortunately due to human encroachment, deforestation, they've only got limited places to stay, right? Over there, Africa, Asia. Yeah. There's only so much acres left. But in North America and the People don't realize the vast expanses of woods we still have left. We've got millions of acres of untapped resources just out there. So we can't do the same thing and just circle in and be like, oh, we know they're here. Because they could be here. They could be there. They could be down the street. We still have a lot more land than we think. 
Absolutely. What do you th- – and I'm saying this kind of open-minded. When, when you picture Sasquatches hanging out, do you picture them hanging out with other Sasquatches or do you – and this may sound like a stupid question, but it's just something that pops up. Or do you picture them hanging out with orangutans and gorillas and stuff like that in, in the, I don't know, the jungle, whatever you want to call it? Right. So what a lot of people don't understand is, you know, you've got your North American big sightings that we call Bigfoot or Sasquatch. But not only that, you've got uh, the urine in China, the Yahweh in Australia, the abominable snowman in Tibet, sightings of gorilla man in Russia. So we've seen creatures like this. People have been seeing creatures like this all around the world for at least you know, the earliest sightings go back 16, 1700, at least a few hundred years. So, are they all related? At least some type from like the same species that kind of, you know, shot off. Kind of like, you know, you have your North American seagulls, your European seagulls, you got ravens, you got crows, you know, right? They're all closely related, but they're slightly yeah. different. They live in different parts of the world. That's kind of the way I look at it. And so, do I know actual populations from each? Could, could I tell you, hey, in Russia, you got like 10 yetis. Hey, in, uh, you know, northwestern America, you got 200 Bigfoot. In Australia, you got 50 urine. No, I, I, I couldn't say that. But it's a small enough population to be hidden, but a big enough one to continue to breed, which is totally mm. possible with great ape species because, like I brought up earlier, the bonomo, the orangutan, they're both extremely endangered right now, and they're very limited in Southeast Asia where they're at Sumatra, you know, the islands, Java. But they're still kicking, and if you don't know what to look for, you will never know they were there. Mm-hmm. So just briefly here, what are – you mentioned like the abominable snowman, the Yeti. Is that a different type of Sasquatch, or are they just called different things in different – uh, parts of the country. So the way I think of it and the way I look at it, it's kind of the same like how we are is modern Homo sapien. Before you bring it back, we all originated out of you know, the cradle of Africa. We spread out. We expanded the Ice Age. We had the Bering. We had the uh, ice the ice the Bering Ice Strait, so we could travel from Europe to North America. So if there were species, which is proven, Gigantopithecus, like we talked about earlier was still alive and well and kicking during that time. If they were around that recent to us, why couldn't he or an offshoot have followed us over the Bering Land Strait to North America, followed us down, followed us through? Because as primate species go, we are the most successful. That's, that's facts. That's proven, right? As humans, we mm-hmm. occupy every land of this world except for antarctica all the time so why couldn't a species that was maybe a little bigger a little more elusive follow suit now you know i'm gonna i'm gonna say that i'm gonna use mythical creature just just for an example real quick because like the loch ness monster i think maybe about a year and a half ago they deemed that to be um actually a myth was never you know was never a thing what would you do if one day you woke up and they 
all of a sudden just announced that you know Sasquatch was actually really a myth and the the Gimlin film was actually faked. Yada yada. What would be your first reaction to that? Now, if they would tell me tomorrow, I wake up and they tell me the Paris and Gimlet film was fake, I would call bullshit. Okay. Because just seeing the studies on it and the scientific just the these modern dudes, right? Like our modern CJI artists, the guys who work in Hollywood, have chucked right. out this film since the day it was made. People have been trying yeah. to just yeah. They've been trying to debunk and discredit this film for 40, 50 years now, right? And they still have yeah. not found definitive proof to prove it fake. And if anything, it leans to the contrary. You're like, wow, back in those years, we couldn't have that technology to make suits to where those muscles flex that way. We can't have a human being in a suit walk the way that animal did. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, proving that, uh, unless you can actually 100% recreate it and find a guy that's like right. 72 and throw on a suit that has muscle expenditures and he can accurately recreate that walk on rocky terrain in Northern California, good luck. That's why I got to say it anyway. Good luck. <laughs> so, give a little background here because um, we're – uh, I don't know how much time you got, but we're going on about half an hour here. Uh, how much research have you done on like set? Like, have you just grazed on just information? Like if, if you're going for, you know, you're going out with your, your, your crew, and you're like, okay, we're going to go big bunny tonight. What type of sounds would you be listening for or signs you'd be looking for uh, in the presence of a Sasquatch? Right. That's a great question, man. So, You've yeah. watched Finding Bigfoot. I'm sure you have. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure a bunch of your viewers, right, that watch your podcast have seen Finding Bigfoot. And they think we are and, all just... And here's... A, well, this is my thing also with that is how do they know those animals or those creatures make these type of sounds? You know, like, that, that's kind of like, well, where did the history come from? You know, because Patterson Gumbafilm did it. It was kind of silent other than, you know, the walking and the footsteps. Right. So, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you're good, man. So, I don't think, so it's like any creature, right? I was raised in small town Ohio. I've been hunting big game my whole life. <laughs> yeah. As a hunter, you're supposed to be silent in the woods, right? You don't go in mm -hmm. and announce your presence the minute you're there. You don't show up and just start howling right. and yodeling and right. thinking, you know what I mean? So, that's my biggest yeah, okay. disagreement though, with. The Finding Bigfoot guys, and they're okay. call they're call blasting they call it. So because they immediately go in and they take a big stick and they pop it up against the tree and they're like, "You hear that?" But here's my thing: it's like, how did you not know that's a tree falling 150 feet back? You can't see that. You know what I mean? That that's kind of where right. I'm, you know I'm in the mind frame of okay, it could be, but also it could be this. Like I'm getting in my head both ways, you know. Right. So. Exactly. I, I agree with you 100%. So any big game hunter will tell you if you go hunting out, say you're trying to go shoot coyotes on the western plains out Wyoming. Say you're trying to go hunt for uh, brown bear or gray wolf here in Alaska. You don't mm -hmm. make your presence known and you don't just announce, hey, here I am, man, show up. 
So with the call blasting, that's the only thing that makes sense to me because as a big game hunter, so like take a wolf or even a coyote, for example, they respond to calls, you know, from their main prey sources, right? Which are rabbits. You sound that off. You hide, you mask your scent. Sure. If they're in the area, they're going to show up. So I take the same approach to when I'm out there Bigfoot. I'm like, so if honestly they're anywhere between us and a chimpanzee or an orangutan or a gorilla, which is our DNA closest matches, right? As great apes. Mm -hmm. So what we'll do is we'll get the pheromone chips from local zoos and we'll hang up the pheromone chips and Mm -hmm. we'll blast orangutan mating calls, gorilla mating calls, chimpanzee mating calls. We're not out there yodeling and knocking trees and making ourselves known. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think, uh, I think that's sen- sensationalized for TV, to be honest with you. So you're out there in Alaska. I'm going to take a quick little detour here from Bigfoot. We'll come back to it before we, uh, before we jump off here. But you're in Alaska now. Never been really down that area. I've, you know, I've been like Texas and stuff like that. But I try to stay in my state just because I, especially with this coronavirus happening. But from yeah. what I've seen on like Mountain Man or whatever else you want, Axman, whatever you want to say, there are some places in Alaska that are just dead spot in the middle of nowhere. Where are you at? Like, are you living in a, in, in a town or like a, like a neighborhood or are you living out in the middle of nowhere? Right, so right now I'm stationed up at uh, Fort Wainwright, so I'm in Fairbanks, Alaska, which is okay. a small little borough, which is stretched out about, oh, probably 60 miles around is the t- actual town. But you leave this borough, you drive an hour and a half any direction, you're in the middle of Pine Forest. There's nothing for six hours. Mm. Either way, you go south, you get about a four or five hour drive till you hit Denali National Park, another hour till you hit Anchorage the first big city close to us. You go north, there's nothing. It's the Arctic Circle, it's a tundra, there's nothing. So you, when, you, when you go bit, uh, Sasquatch hunting Bigfoot and up there, you, you head north? Is that where you head? Uh, I've, I've gone all over around here, so. So where have you found the most activity there? Like, have you found it in, or have you found, have you found any, uh, you know, in, uh, information or, you know, hypothesis about this. Yeah, as a matter of fact, so where I'm at, up at, uh, right up here in Fairbanks, it's a very small town. It's, a, it's, it's, it's part of like, you know, the central bureau, like we're literally, we're middle, we are in the middle of the state of Alaska. Around mm-hmm. us is nothing but pine forest for miles, miles. You, just, you can drive five hours, any direction, nothing. And so I've gone out just, I've either, I've taken three hour trips. I've taken just hour trips out of town. I've gone North, South. I've honestly, I've, I've done three trips North, two sips, uh, two trips to the South. And I've gone one trip. I've just drove basically as East as I could get. And I've found what I would call activity on all, all, all my trips. The most exciting thing I think I saw is when I went north. So I took off 
drove probably about an hour and a half. Uh, we got uh, a hot spring up here called Chena Hot Springs. A lot of folks from up here, they know where it's at. It's kind of famous up here. So you keep going, and it's just it's pine forest, man. You know what I mean? It's it's mm-hmm. woods. Yeah. And I camped out out there for four days by myself. I did a solo trip. And the first thing I did, I wasn't out there banging on trees and, woo, you know, you go to lay in like mm-hmm. the dudes on Finding Bigfoot do. I had my pheromone chips. I hung them up. I separated them probably, you know, a quarter mile apiece. I no fires. It's very quiet. And I just sat and I listened and I watched for three days. And they are, they're very vocal. So that's the one thing I'll give the Finding Bigfoot folks credit for. They, they do call black and you can hear it. And if you're a wild hunter up in Alaska and you're up there, you know, you've hunted for gray wolf, you've hunted for brown bear, you know what they sound like. These things, totally different, totally different sound. I'm trying to think of where I want to go with this because I just have so many things running through my mind. Like, right. you were out there, you know, camping out for three or four days. Was, was there just a point in your mind where you were just like, okay, there's no activity here. I've, I've got to go. Like, besides saying, I'm going to stay four, four days, was there just a day where you're like, maybe, maybe this was kind of stupid for me to be out here four days because there's nothing here. Oh, definitely. My first couple days up there, I'm out there, you know, oh, it's really? probably, it's probably late September, so it's not too cold yet, but it's, get, it's getting close to pushing those negative degrees that we get up here. I'm like, man, you know, I'm up here shaking in my tent. I'm freezing. I have seen nothing except for like a couple of Arctic foxes. Why am I here right now? Mm. I was like, well, you know, I'm here. I'll give it two more days. And then on that day, I'm ready to leave. I go to leave That's the tent. Something hits. I, I go to leave the tent, you know, one, two in the morning when it's just the darkest the dark <laughs> out. And you just hear rustling 50, 75 yards off, and you're like, well, it could be anything, you know. In my mind, like, I am a firm believer, and I do this, but at my heart, I'm a skeptic, right? So I judge God, all my, yeah. I judge all my uh, evidence objectively, not subjectively. I'm like, I need to just pretend <laughs> I've never heard of Bigfoot, right? Prove I need to prove to myself it's real. And so I'm like, no, oh, I don't believe this for a minute. But when I'm in my tent at 2 in the morning and I'm groggy, right, falling asleep, and all of a sudden you just hear, like, this scream. It sounds so close. It sounds like a woman, like an angry woman in pain, if, that, if you've ever heard that before. Almost like a woman give a childbirth, just angry, guttural, primal, just scream. Right. And I'm like, you know, I know what bobcats sound like. I know what lynx sound like. I know what mountain lions sound like. I've hunted all of them before. And this this is a whole other story. And you wake up the next day and you leave your little tent and you walk around and you just see trees five, six foot up that has just been snapped. What creature in Alaska mm-hmm. stands on runs through the woods on two legs and can snap trees that are six foot tall. And what are the odds that this big storm came through that you did not happen to feel, see, or even think about happening and it snapped all four or five trees all in a row like that? 
Well, if a storm like that would have happened, my tent would have been buried. That's what, for the snow. that's what I'm and saying. I'm, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. <laughs> so, last couple of things here, man, as we wind down, um, let's get off here and enjoy your couple of drinks you're going to have. I remember a couple of years ago, there was this photo going around. I don't know if you saw it. If not, then maybe I can try to find the article. This guy supposedly had killed this creature. Right. And he described his creature as a Sasquatch Bigfoot type of creature. And it was rolling around all over the internet, all over social media. The news picked it up. Was this uh, was this a guy down? Oh. Sorry, man. I didn't mean to uh, uh, No, no, you're good. You're good. What, was this a guy down there in Georgia? Like, uh, so, uh, I feel like I've heard something like this. From like the southeast, it, uh, are you talking about where he had it like in I'm his not street. sure where I'm not sure where it was at, but these people or or the whoever they were claimed that it was not a, a Sasquatch, it was a hog or a pig or a boar. But okay. you could obviously tell that it it was not. It looked nothing like a wild hog, pig, boar I have ever seen in my life. It looked really, really creepy. It, it did have like a ape type of look, but it was like a hairy type of giant, you know, something I've never seen before. Not, not even close to a wild boar. Um, so have there have been, like, I want to know if there's like people that have said, man, look, I, I've took this picture of this before and you've looked at it and it's like, okay, I don't want to see a picture of your cat, you know? Right. So... And that's the biggest thing, you know, a lot of those guys in the community will, they hate hearing the word false identification because they, they, they don't, don't want to look at it objectively and say, hey, maybe this could have been something else. But honestly, 75% of the cases we get and that I've investigated and people will call me, I'll go out and look, I'll be like, you know, uh, mountain lions live in this area, right? You're from Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> that screaming you're hearing is probably a fucking mountain lion. It's probably a mountain lion, man. Because um, I've heard them before. Here's a recording. You know, here's me in the field. Here's me hunting them. And they go, oh, that's actually pretty close to what I hear. And I'm like, yeah, it's probably a mountain lion, man. But see, here's the thing. If you take all those false identification cases, you take them out of the picture. Just get rid of them. Erase mm. them. There are still thousands of people every year that see here take pictures have video take ca plaster casts of something that we can't explain what it is so you can get rid of about 25 give me an example what's that give me an example of a story give me an example of a story when you get finished with that uh explanation okay so what are the biggest ones um a, about a year and a half ago when I was still down in, Texas, down in Texas, actually, a guy called me. He said, hey, man, there's been something on my property. I live in the Panhandle out by Amarillo, you know, about an hour to, out in the middle of nowhere. Something's been kill, uh, killing my cattle. I've been hearing screaming. I was like, okay, man, you know, I'll come out. I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. Get out there. Throw my tent up, throw up my blind. Throw my, you know, throw up the pheromone chips. The first night I called, blasted uh, some chimp calls, some gorilla calls, just see what would happen. Nothing. We got nothing back. No responses. 
I tried for three days. Heard, saw nothing. On the fourth day before I left, I got kind of desperate. I was like, all right, well, you know, let's let's bait it in. Let's give it a shot. Went to the local butcher, bought about 20 pounds worth of goat meat. Stacked it up. Put a trail cam up. And lo and behold, do we find out, yeah, the man's got a mountain lion. Mm. <laughs> so have you ever give me a story that you were just like okay I'm convinced this was some kind of a Sasquatch in a, encounter do you have any of those I got plenty of them okay, so, give, me, give me a give me a couple good ones I think the most convincing one actually I wasn't even in Ohio so I went to Pennsylvania you know oh, okay. the state of so I'm on the Ohio-Pennsylvania border around Columbiana County, West Virginia border, and that area where it's very wooded, mountainous, uh-huh. rural, very rural. You know, you got maybe a house here. Your next neighbor lives four miles down the road. Maybe you see your neighbor twice a week if you're lucky. And I'm yeah. out there checking stuff out for, uh, for a guy that called me. He said, hey, man, I think there's something going on my property. I was like, all right, well, you know, I'll come down and I'll take a look. Was it the first five hours of being there? Sun goes down. I'm out there. We have the pre-recorded gorilla calls. You know, we're we're, we're doing our thing. And within two hours, we get a response. And I have all this all recorded on the Bigfoot Hunter Society page. Like, so... We've got this recorded. I'm like, well, that's really weird. I'm like, there's no mountain lions in Pennsylvania. The government says they've been extinct here since, you know, 1910. They, nothing. Mm-hmm. And when you hear a mountain lion, you know the way it screams. It just, it has that very high pitched, almost like a child or a very young woman scream. What we got was this deep, guttural, just almost a roar but not quite mm-hmm. and so I'm like okay that that's interesting that could be something but we're not going to judge this off of this because you know we, we need to gather something else so we set up some baited traps put some meat up you know some uh, mulberries up and some trail cams unfortunately we got nothing on the camera which I don't know how smart these things are but they somehow know they're like look at this crazy green thing on this uh on this tree that you put up i'm not dumb i'm not falling for it but he swiped through and luckily i uh put some barbed wire around uh the little bait we put up big big uh tough of hair we got a tough of hair and i was like okay we can work with this we'll see what happens Sent it off to a uh, University of Michigan. They test it. And the results come back unknown primate species. Mm-hmm. Which isn't rare. If you talk to anybody that's been doing this for a while and has been out, um, like uh, I believe his name, yes, Dr. Jeff Meldrum. The man, uh, he's an expert at plaster casts. He's. Uh, so he'll take the cast and look at them and say, you know, this, well, there's no details on this cast. I can't really tell you if it's fake or not. But 
they have found dermal ridges on these casts mm. that are shaped different from human, but close enough to this is an unknown primate species. There's no way a human could fake this. And they mm. have sent in, they did the same thing I did, sent in the hair samples, unknown ape species. Their chromosomes match, they're close, but we're not quite sure. And I got these things in West Virginia, you know, Pennsylvania. So, if I'm getting these in Pennsylvania, and then Jeff Meldrum's getting the same hair samples, come back with the same DNA in California, clearly there's something going on that we don't know about. Yeah, man, last couple of questions here, and uh, I'll let you go. Um, if people I, are wanting I, to... I can go down the rabbit hole. I can talk all night. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, too. That's why I got to cut myself off, because if not, we'll be going for like four or five hours. <laughs> Definitely. not good for my schedule here. <laughs> but um, if someone wants to you know, do some research on this, and they've already seen the patterson gimlin film what would be a couple of great pieces of audio video research equipment details that they could look at and know okay you know because i like something that will make me go oh i kind of believe it but here's this instead of just straightforward nah that doesn't sound right or yeah i believe 100 percent. right so the first thing mm -hmm. i would say what what you need to do is, uh, have you ever heard of David Polites? I don't think so. Okay, so you, it's called the, the Missing 411. It's by David Polites. The man was a uh, prior law enforcement officer for about 23, 24 years. And he started doing investigations in national parks about disappearances of people and how they disappear under weird circumstances. Like, the, say they'll find, the only people they normally they find alive are children. And the kids will tell you, oh, the big hairy man took care of me. And the adults they look for, they'll either find deceased, they will they either they won't find them at all. And they'll just find a stack of their clothes and the actual person's gone. But if they do find a body, they're either up a mountain to where physically it's impossible for us as humans to get that high. Or they'll find the body in an area that they already searched for. Mm -hmm. So to dive into this, I would honestly, if the Patterson-Gimlin film does not convince you, you need to look at David Polites, The Missing 411, and you need to go back. Is that to a the, book or an article? Uh, he, he, he's written several books. There's two movies out. Okay. The missing four eleven. What are you just talking about? Was that a was that, is that a book uh, article? It's uh, he's written several books and there's two movies. The first one is just called Missing Four One. Okay. Oh, okay. And the okay. second. Okay. Okay. And, okay. and the second one is called Missing Four One One, The Hunted. It's about hunters that disappear in the woods. Okay. And you were uh, you were you were saying something else before I interrupted you. I'm sorry about um, that. Um. Well. So. No, you're good, man. No worries. So if you go back, also, another big eye-opener is you go back to the early 17, 18, 1900s, and you look at the Native American tales about the Sasquatch, and quick Google search away, oh. and if 
if you know someone that's native, if you can go to a reservation, especially on the West Coast out here, like Alaska, Oregon, Northern California, and talk to some people, they've had these stories of the hairy man passed down for generation to generation to generation. They they would warn their children, don't go out in the woods and either the hairy man will snatch you away. Hmm. Some creepy stuff, man, here today. Um, another, uh, I think you've convinced me more than the actual air quote specialist expert has just because, and I don't mean that in any offense or anything to anyone it's just when you oh, have no, I, someone like you that you, you know what i mean when, when you have someone like you you can look at both sides instead of taking everything in like yes i believe everything about bigfoot you know what i mean right <laughs> yeah so you, man before we get off here no go ahead i'm sorry you, you get the guys to watch animal planet two times and they buy right into that finding bigfoot show which is clearly sensationalized for tv the bfro like if you go on their website as a database, they're good. They have so many sightings marked down, but when it comes to, like, you want to go out and go on an expedition with them, right? You want to... You're a non-believer, and you're like, prove me wrong. They want you to pay $2,000. They want you to pay good money. If you want to do that with me, you want, to do, you, you want to come and see something with me, I ain't charging you a dime. Come up here, let me know, give me a couple months advance so I can take leave from my job, and I will happily take you out here in the middle of nowhere, Alaska, in these woods. I'll make a believer out of you. <laughs> yeah, man. So next time I'm somewhat near Alaska, I will uh, let you know, and uh, we will definitely make that thing happen because – I want to believe it, but but I believe that you're the person that's not going to go. And, you know, we're going to stage all these events the day before. We're going to have all these traps go off at this specific time. 1115, okay, you're going to have that that, that rope's going to attach and that tree branch is going to slam against this trunk. Yeah, it's going to make yeah that ain't me. You know, I know you wouldn't do like We find nothing <laughs> to find at all. There ain't no in between. Man, before we jump off here, let – everybody know where you can find your stuff and and your socials and all that uh well yeah i appreciate you having me on dude my name's keith diggins uh i'm the founder of bigfoot hunter society i got the facebook page and the group if uh i i try my best to at least do two expeditions a year like i said i'm up here in alaska right now so if you're in the fairbanks area anchorage area you want to go out and check out denali you want to go travel with me hit me up we'll do it I'm usually I usually make it back down to Ohio about twice a year, once in the summer, once in the winter. We'll go down to the Salt Fork National Park where they do the Bigfoot conference every year, and we'll do our mm. own expeditions down there because, like I said, I try to take the sensationalism away and show you the actual facts of what's going on. Well, what's a Bigfoot conference? You just opened up another door that I'm curious about. Bigfoot conference is. Is that where everybody just gets together, kind of like an AA meeting, and talks about Bigfoot, or is it where everybody goes, you know, 150 people go hunt for him? No, you you about nailed it. So every year down there, Salt Fork National Park. So in Ohio, they call it the Ohio Grassman. Ohio actually has, out of all the states, the fourth most sightings of Bigfoot every year. Mm. So in South Central Ohio, they have the Bigfoot Conference, and you've got. The BFRO, you got the Matt Moneymakers there. 
You've got your Dr. Jeff Meldrum's there, your David Blyde's, he's been there. Anybody in between, they go down to Salt Fork National Park because it's a sighting hotspot. Well, man, Keith, I appreciate you being on here, man. And uh, next time I want to talk Bigfoot and more paranormal, uh, I'll let you know we'll get you back on. Really do appreciate that, it, man. That sounds great, man. I, sounds great. I can go down this rabbit hole for days at a time. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, appreciate it. You have a good one. Hey, you too, brother. I appreciate you for having me on, man. And we'll talk to you next time. Yeah, man, appreciate your service. Have a good one. And thank you, you too. Take it easy. Be safe down there, man. All right, I am here with returning guy, uh, Dave Spinks. So he has a new book out called West Virginia Bigfoot. So what encouraged you to write this this, this book? Well, the book uh, about, you know, I got the idea for the book because of my own personal experience uh, mm-hmm. with my grandfather back in 1983. You know, me and him were fishing at one of our favorite fishing spots here in West Virginia, and we saw Bigfoot, man, and ever since that time, that's what actually started me into the paranormal, you know, seeking questions on what this thing was, and, you know, after so many years of doing this, I ended up writing a book because I had interviewed so many other people around the state that had actually seen the same type of creature I had so many years ago. I was only 13, and it, it scared the living hell out of me, you know, so... Um, that's why the book was done, you know, basically to get my story out there. And during my year of research and investigating, you know, I came across so many other people here in the state that had had a similar experience. So hence the book came out. So on this podcast, man, you're going to try to push me towards believing in Bigfoot. Um, I, I believe, like we said before, I believe in the paranormal and the aliens, but Bigfoot, man, to me, there's only, there's not really that much proof um, to me, apparent, uh, to, to me, but there's only that one video that everyone has seen where Bigfoot is walking forward and he looks back at the camera. Um, I want to get your take on that video. Is that so, what kind of what you've seen was... When you when you were fishing with your grandfather, was that kind of what you saw? Was what was in that video? Well, you can't compare that video to each individual's uh, right. experience, okay. man. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that was one piece of video shot back in the you know sixties, the Patterson Gimlin film. I think you're re- referring to, yes. right? Yes. Um, you know, uh, yeah, it was very similar to what I saw. I was a 13-year-old boy at the time and didn't know anything about that patterson Gimlin film, you know, and had never even fathomed something of that happening until I had my own experience. So, um, of course, what happened to me was, you know, I was on this river down here by my house Mm. fishing, and the river's about 75 yards across at the point where we saw this thing. And... You know, from the distance I saw that was probably a lot greater than they saw that. Um, and I don't know, you know, you can see the story I told in the book and, and on the TV show I told it on. Mm-hmm. And they they kind of did a recreation of it. And, you know, of course, TV TV, man, and they change things around and right. do this stuff and the actual story. That's why I encourage folks to get the book. But, mm-hmm. 
know, you can't, until you actually experience something like this or see something like this, you can't really push anyone to believe in something like that. You know, all I can do is share my experience. And in the book, I share many other people's experiences as well. And, you know, there's, there's more than one piece of footage out there of the right. Greek Germanic that That's the most scrutinized and most famous one of all uh, piece of footage, you know, the Paris and Inland film. And unfortunately, in today's technological world, you know, so many videos have been fake and hoaxed right. and, right. and stuff that it creates a big problem, you know, in that aspect right. for, you know, for true evidence or anything of the sort to be captured. Um, of course, there's no body, you know. Mm. And there's all kinds of theories out there on what this creature may be. You know, there's theories that it's some kind of interdimensional being. There's, there's theories that it's, uh, even there's even theories that it's uh, an alien of some sort. There's theories that it's a, some type of elemental creature uh, that protects the forest uh, in Native American folklore. Mm. You know, so, and, and, and some of those theories say that uh, it only shows itself to people that it deems worthy or whatever the case. You know what I mean? There's just yeah. so many different theories out there. And on what this thing is, because we don't have a body, and because we don't have any DNA results or anything of the sort to, to you know, get a scientific proof that this creature is real. Mm -hmm. um, but that being said, you have to really take into account the thousands upon thousands of reports around the world of people seeing this type of creature. You can't simply dismiss that. You're, you know, these reports are coming from police officers, military personnel, doctors, lawyers, teachers, and everybody else under the sun of credible people that really don't have anything to gain by saying uh, they saw something like this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They would actually hurt their hurt their uh, reputation by coming out and saying they saw this creature. Um, because, you you know, you can be ridiculed, you can be, um, you know, judged in some aspects of, you know, people say, oh, you're crazy, or you didn't see something like that, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, you have to just take all that into consideration. Well, you, you said because they called under the supernatural realm and the paranormal realm, mm -hmm. which uh, you know is things of the unknown and things that haven't been scientifically proven at this point. Mm -hmm. Well, you said it, man. There, there's no bodies um, that anybody can can research or any do any kind of autopsies on because there's no bodies. So what these things have to die at some point. So what? Mm -hmm. What what is your opinion on what do you think a Bigfoot is? I mean, a lot of people say it's a big gorilla slash whatever it is. But what is what is your take on? What, well, if it is a living, is? breathing creature, which I feel it was, is what I saw. Yeah, it has to die at some point. Mm -hmm. Maybe <laughs> we don't know because right. we just don't know what this right. thing is. But you know, I've been a, an avid outdoorsman my whole life. I've hunted and fished in the woods as a small boy. And when I lived here in West Virginia, we had a lot of black bears, a lot of black bears. Right. But I've never, ever come across a black bear carcass in the woods. And if you take that into consideration, um, a creature such as Bigfoot being highly intelligent, you know, 
as we would think that they are mm-hmm. because they're nocturnal. They're very, you know, they're, they're theorized to be nocturnal mostly at night, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that they, the theories out there say that they're, they kind of sleep and kind of uh, slumber around in the daytime and they're more active at night. And the numbers would most likely be very small if they do, in fact, exist. And like I said, there's thousands of black bears here in West Virginia, and I've mm-hmm. never seen a black bear carcass in the woods that, mm-hmm. you know, um, even, even so, and there's millions of, of white-tailed deer here in West Virginia, right? And I've only come across a few carcasses of those because mm-hmm. simply the forest and creatures in the forest that die, they uh, they decompose very, very rapidly. Now, if you take a creature such as a Bigfoot, um, if it is highly intelligent, they may indeed bury their dead as well. We don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, we just don't know. So, these people that you researched and, and you interviewed for your book, man, there's a lot of people that would just come out and say, oh, i seen Bigfoot just to be part of that group. So, do you know these people actually saw and had an experience with Bigfoot, or are you just taking their word for it? Well, you know, I have to take their word for it uh, as credible people, you know. Um, when you see, when you interview some of these people, you know, you got to also remember there all, there's always going to be a crackpot or two out there, you know, for whatever reason. Um, but like I said earlier, you know, there's people that I have interviewed, of course, and some of them don't want their names put in the book because of that. They don't want to be ridiculed, but they had a sighting or an encounter with one of these things that literally changed their lives, Mm. you know, um, it changed the way they they act and they operate. Some of them are so terrified they won't even go out of their house at night. You know, uh, others have just straight up and got up and moved from where they live. <laughs> you know, and sold their family house and everything that's been in their house, been in their family for generations. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were obviously terrified of what they saw. Mm-hmm. And you know, you got to take each account is different. Each each experience is different. You got to take all that. So, like you said, there's no <clears throat> there's no bodies to prove that there is a Bigfoot. But let's just say, with the government, the way the government is, and the way I'm into conspiracy theories, let's say, Dave, you go outside right now. You see a Bigfoot in your backyard. You know nobody's faking it. You know it looks legit. You take a picture of it. Next thing you know, it's on social media. The government's going to come after you. You're gonna They're going to have to take that picture down because... They don't want their people to know that there's anything like that. So the first thing you do, they're going to take it down. And so what would be your tactic? Let's say if you've seen something out there right now that, that resembled a Bigfoot, what would, your, what would your next step be? To follow it, to research it, and find out where it lives, what, what would it be? Of course, you, know, you would do all of that. But also, um, you would, me personally, I would get together the the biggest names in the field that I know of mm-hmm. and I would have keep it all under wraps and have you know some kind of uh, meeting and you know I would make sure that the the proof I had would be out there you know no matter mm-hmm. what 
And, you know, going into that aspect of it, the government, I'll give you a few couple of, of examples um, of reports that happened that may indeed, in fact, be some kind of government cover-up. Um, because you've heard of Mount St. Helens, right? When Mount sure. St. Helens yes, 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 blew up. Um, there was a, uh, uh, some famous accounts when that happened that uh, people, many people saw government helicopters coming in there mm. and flying off with what looked like bodies of Bigfoot mm. uh, in government helicopters uh, underneath, you know, like in some kind of uh, nets and whatnot that they had right. that they had underneath the helicopters. Also, there's been re- there's uh, another pretty incredible encounter of a military unit that was training, and they uh, they were doing night maneuvers. And they were being paralleled by a group of Bigfoot during these night, night maneuvers. Mm-hmm. And that's, that story's out there. You can find it, you know, on the, on the internet and whatnot. And a member or two of that unit uh, told of their accounts where they saw these creatures paralleling them while they were training at night right. in the woods here, here in North America. So, um, and there's accounts, in, and it's, you got to take into account too, man. There's accounts that go way back yeah, yeah. in 17, 1800s, you know. Right. Uh, uh, and then you've got to take it into the account, uh, Native American accounts that are thousands and thousands of years old of these creatures. Mm-hmm. There's cave art drawn in caves of Bigfoot. Sure, right. right. And if you, then if you subscribe to the Bible, you, you can go into the Bible and you... You know, it talks about the Nephilim, and the Nephilim were offspring of angels and human women, and these things were said to be giants uh, in you know, grotesque giants that were just disgusting, vile creatures. Mm-hmm. And you know, here in West Virginia, man, in some of the native burial mounds all around the state, there they have found giant skeletons. There's pictures of them. Mm-hmm. newspaper articles of them and these things were 7 to 10 to 12 feet tall some had double rows of teeth some had single rows of teeth mm-hmm. but you know you gotta take in all that kind of stuff into account and say hey there might be something legit to all this what it, what, but what is it we don't know right if let's just let's take that video again for an example the one where the the Bigfoot's looking back at the camera operator I want to take into effect that the guy that made that video is actually not trying to prove it wrong not, not I'm just I'm just stating a fact to make it to my next point that guy was considered a con man he 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 was faking a lot of videos back in that day and then comes out with this one and makes worldwide history so if he was actually filming the Bigfoot why was it not attacking if it was if the guy was with the camera in Bigfoot's grounds why was why would he not attack I mean I'm pretty sure you don't have an exact answer but well there is no real answer to that because we don't know you can't say why a creature didn't attack you I mean that's uh-huh. tough you know face face to face with bears in the woods while hunting and they don't attack they just run off you know right. um, so you know with that question, you really can't say. Um, 
you know, that, that, that thing has been analyzed by many, many experts over the years. Um, another thing is, they never, you know, if you look at, like, a look at the it's pretty amazing because you can actually see uh, the muscle striations in this thing moving as it's walking. There's no, there was no such thing as a big, uh, a monkey suit that was that good back in those days, whether even in, even in the movies, they couldn't have made something that good. Um, and if you look at that one, um, it's a, it's a female, it has breasts, you know? So, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty tantalizing, you know, and pretty revealing to me that whatever that was, you know, it looks real and it's been analyzed by many, I mean, many different scientific people and they still can't, you know, some will say it's real and some say they, they, they can't say either way. They don't know because... It, you know, they brought up so many different things on that film uh, as far as looking at the way the thing walks. You know, they've had specialists in that field, you know, how the gait of the creature is, and they've seen, they can see the muscles striations and the muscles flexing as this thing walks, you know, and whatnot. And, of course, back in those days, film wasn't as good as it is now either, you know, you know, talking, you know, was that eight millimeter footage and whatnot. So, you know, it, it's just one of those things, you know, it, it is what it is. There's been many other videos captured um, of, of creatures that have been proven not to be, you know, not proven, but uh, have been analyzed and people can't say either way. But nowadays stuff can be fake so easily. It, it's really... Uh, it's really a bad thing because it's it just it's just a shame that people would go through the links to hoax something, you know, like right, that. Right. But unfortunately, you deal with that. Right, a lot of the times. Yeah. But another weird aspect too is, uh, you know, a lot of these pictures and video clips. Some of them that could be legit. What's weird about them is they all seem to fuzz out or whatever. Sure. And right, right. that could lead to the fact that the thing is some kind of, uh, this creature puts off some kind of uh, EMF, you know, and, and that messes with electronic devices. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a lot of uh, different times when this has happened uh, in some of these trail cam pictures and some of these uh, video clips. And there's a lot of accounts out there, too, of people, you know, hunters and whoever, hikers and whatever, report, you know, they're just walking along, doing their thing, and they look up and see a Bigfoot. And in some cases, there's been, like, tracks in the mud or in the dirt or in the snow, and they see a Bigfoot, and they start following this thing. They're following the tracks, following this Bigfoot. It goes behind some trees, and then they don't see it anymore, and, they, and they're following the tracks to where this thing is going, and then the tracks just stop and they're gone. Like this thing just disappeared in the thin air. And there's another interesting theory that, you know, you went, you talked a little bit about it uh, being a uh, an ape-like creature. Well, if you believe in ghosts and you subscribe to the ghost theory, what's to say that this creature isn't a ghost of um, some kind of extinct giant ape that you have just seen? You know, I mean, there's just so many different ways you can go with this, you know, and uh, it's, until we have a bond, right. proof of something, uh, we have to just look at it from all different things, from outside, ways from outside the box. Mm -hmm. So let's 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 not say 
per se that this is a ghost. Let's just say this is a living, breathing creature. There has to be definitely more than one, but do you believe there's a clan of them, like a big pack of them? I mean, how how far have you researched this as as, as in, like, when they when they well, meet, I mean, how, how nobody know. I mean, nobody can say how many there are, but obviously there have to be small in numbers, you know. Um, and obviously, to me, they would be nomadic, um, and they would move to where the food is because they have to eat, you know. So in the winter months, you know, uh, obviously they would probably be lower in altitude here in the mountains. They would go to where the food is, which, um, you know. It, and it would seem to me, from what I've looked at and researched over the years, that these creatures um, are very small in number, but they're nomadic. And they seem to live in really rural, uh, wooded areas where there's not a lot of people. You know, And that would be maybe a reason that you could say, well, that's why there's, not, there's a lot of sightings, but not that many sightings. You know what I mean? Because here in my state where I live, dude, I mean, I'm surrounded. I live on top of the mountain, and I'm surrounded literally by millions of acres of woods and right. hardly any people. Um, mm-hmm. I live just a few miles down the road from the Monongahela National Forest, which is a huge, vast expanse of land that nobody lives in. I mean, hardly anybody lives. There's some people that live on the, on the, on the fringes of it, but, I mean, there's places that are so rugged and so deep in the woods there, man, that there may have never been people that even set foot in those areas mm-hmm. because it's so rugged and so, in, you know, mm-hmm. such treacherous terrain that people would just, it's just not safe, you know. Mm-hmm. You're talking cliffs and mountains and really deep, uh, dark, wooded hollers there that, you know, some, some of the treetops are so dense that sunlight hardly gets through them, right. you know. on in the past weeks and because I've always been interested in, in the fact that people that don't believe in you know the paranormal or ghosts or, or anything like that they're pretty close-minded to me and, and I try to stay open-minded as much as I can and my research showed that everybody from all 50 states at least one person has seen a Bigfoot so does that necessarily mean that they all came from, let's just, for an example, Minnesota. They all came from Minnesota and migrated to the 50 states, or do you think there's one or a pack in each state? 
I mean, how... Uh, you know, some of the some of the accounts out there are, are most likely um, misidentification. You know, someone seen a bear and thought it was a Bigfoot or, or whatever the case may be. But, like I said, I mean, I don't think there's that many of them out there. I think okay. they're small in numbers. And, you know, but... These creatures are not only seen in the United States, man. They're seen all over the world. Right. And they're like people. They're like people. I, I would say there's different variations of them. You know, in the Himalayas, they have the Yeti. It's said to be white in color. You know, uh, here in uh, here in um, North America, most descriptions are they're either very, very dark uh, black or dark brown and reddish in color. Um, and they even, I mean, there's even reports of these things in Australia and all over the world, there's different ones. Mm -hmm. They're like people, you know, there's, there's white folks, black folks, um, uh, Asians, you know, I, I would, I would say it, this creature would be something to that effect. You know, there's different variations of them. Mm -hmm. So a Yeti or an abominable snowman, I guess that's the correct word. That's. Is that the same thing as a Bigfoot, or are they in the same family? Mm, technically, yeah. Technically, yes. Okay. Similar, yeah, very similar in nature. So, do I'm pretty sure you've done a lot of research because you wrote a book. But do the, the the Bigfoot people or clan do they? I mean, are they segregated into one weather culture, or do they like you know cold, hot? Does it matter? No, no, they're all over. Um, the ones down in Florida are called the skunk ape, you know, so okay. there's ones in Florida, there's ones in Canada, there's different ones in Canada, you know, they live in all various climates around the world, so, uh, you know, <laughs> so, you know, it's, like I said, there's just, I, I think if they're like people, you know, they just live wherever they they live, and they, I, I, I think they move to where the food is, you know, um, and then semi-nomadic, if you will. Like here in West Virginia, too, there's a lot of caves and a lot of places that a creature such as this could could live in the wintertime and stay fairly warm as well, you know. So um, it just depends on their environment, you know, like anything else. So what do they eat? Are they vegetarians? Uh, well, there's a lot of reports out there um, from different people who have seen them carrying deer on their shoulders, um, carrying off pigs, chickens, <laughs> you, you name it. I think they eat, uh, they're like people again. I think they eat similar, very similar to what a person would eat. You know, even monkeys and apes, they eat, uh, they eat fish, they eat meat, right. you know, they eat whatever they can eat. Um, and, you know, there's new creatures being discovered on this planet almost daily, man. Um, you know, it wasn't that long ago that the giant flu was thought to not to be a mythical creature, and they proved it does in fact exist. You know, um, only 50 years ago, the mountain gorilla was discovered. Last year, 2017, a brand new species of orangutan was discovered. Right, I saw that. And, yeah, yeah, so, you know, um, you just never know, you know, and that's why I do what I do, man, because I know what I saw and what affected me. Uh, so so deeply when I was a child that I started my search right then, you know, uh, after I saw this thing, I started my own personal search for answers. And, you know, it's some of man's greatest questions. What happens to us when we die? 
Sure. Are there unknown creatures walking among us, and are we alone in the universe? And that's right. why I do what I do, man. You know, whether I find the answers or not, I don't know if I ever will. Right. But it, it's fascinating to me, and it's intriguing to me right. uh, to try to find a small piece of that puzzle, you know, and, right. and, and seek out answers to some of these questions myself. So, I'm pretty sure the, 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 the time you saw Bigfoot was pretty terrifying to you, but after doing research for this book, West Virginia Bigfoot, was there any stories from other people that just completely terrified you? <clears throat> oh, yeah, man. There's some accounts in there that are just really frightening. Um, uh, one guy, you know, I'll give you the, the broad strokes of it, was um, him and his wife. His wife was a, uh, a pretty much like a wild ice conservationist type person and avid these people were avid outdoors people you know they even camped in the winter when there was a foot or two of snow on the ground you know freezing cold temperatures and they would camp in tents you know and they had you know they had all the proper gear and stuff but um they always they had their two dogs with them that were you know happy go lucky dogs and they said he was telling me you know when I interviewed him for this story that you know, whenever they'd go camping, the dogs loved it. They would be jumping around, having a good time. And it was almost immediately when they got out to unload their gear, the dogs were acting funny. They had their tail kind of tucked between their legs. They didn't want to venture away from them. And he had this big box thing that, that they could jump in and stay in when it was cold, you know. So um, he said they just started whining and he just let them in the box and they didn't even get out. So they finished setting up their gear and putting their tent up and everything, and it was about dark by the time they got set up. And he said during the night while they were sleeping, they heard all this ruckus around outside, you know, and didn't know what was going on, poked their heads out the tent a few times and didn't see anything. But he said during the night, uh, he saw what appeared to be a big hand pushed down on the tent, you know, a really big hand, and it, pushed the tent down so far that it was touching him and then he seen what looked like a giant face pushing into the tent and he kind of he froze you know and he looked over at his wife and she was awake too and they were hearing all this noise outside right mm -hmm. so after that happened he kind of smacked at the tent and the thing like jerked back and, and nothing else happened but they were so scared they didn't come out of the tent so just at daybreak where they could see and they got got out, started looking around, and there was all these deer tracks around, like a herd of deer had come through. And he said they started noticing it looked like these giant human type footprints all around those tracks. Mm -hmm. And they freaked out and started packing. You know, they hurried up and packed all their gear up and everything. And then they got to looking around, and about fifty yards away from the tent, they found a deer that was freshly killed. It still had blood coming out of its mouth and the steam coming out of its mouth. Mm -hmm. And there was a football-sized rock buried in this deer's chest. Mm. And he said, man, we just got out of there and just, you know, freaked out and realized that there was like, it was almost as if some of these creatures were hunting deer and, and they were using rocks, big rocks to kill these things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was a pretty terrifying story if you think about it. Like I said, this I want to get to thinking that um, thinking that they're aliens or something like that pretty quickly. But if they are living, breathing creatures, 
where do you, I mean, do you think they just stay burrowed up in the trees? Do you think they build their own caves? Do you think they live underground? I mean, where do you think that they're, or they're maybe they're possibly, if they're that intelligent, they're possibly building, you know, houses in trees that blend in. So where do you think that they're living? Yeah, well, there's all kinds of um, pictures out there of strange uh, structures built in the woods, okay. um, made out of branches and sticks and covered in leaves and grass and whatnot. And that, like I said earlier, you know, there, there are a lot of caves in West Virginia. And um, there's even reports of... Um, some of those giant skeletons that were found. Mm. Uh, one was actually buried up, like a false wall had been created in one of these caves. And um, behind the, you know, rocks stacked up to make like a different room um, when one of these giant skeletons were found. And the uh, that was kind of compelling to me, saying that, wow, if this was a Bigfoot, of some sort, and they found a giant skeleton buried, you know, behind a false wall in this cave, you know, that's pretty interesting. Right. Um, because something had to be intelligent enough to do that, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, who knows, man? I mean, it is what it is right now, like right, I said, right. and uh, it's it's pretty fascinating stuff. I, I would think they would be similar to humans, you know, in that case, they gotta have some kind of warmth and some kind of protection from the elements. Mm -hmm. I want your opinion on something, Dave. Um, so I, um, let, let's let's go back. Think of the Bible for a second. Let's take off Bigfoot for just a second because I was thinking about this because I was thinking about this in my sleep the other day. The Bible states that the very first people on Earth were Adam and Eve. So God floods the Earth and it's Mo, uh, Noah and his family. Where do cavemen come in that example like you see proof of cavemen and apparently they're dumb as rocks but if adam and eve were an actual human and i, I mean where how would that come in place i mean do, do you well if you follow the bible man and the net like to talk about the nephilim that is said to be the reason god flooded the earth to kill these creatures because there was they were disgusting wild creatures and you know, God told Noah to build the ark, and he did. So those, you know, so humans and those animals would survive, and these right. other creatures would be wiped out. So, 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 so you're saying um, it wasn't actually cavemen; it was possibly a Bigfoot. No, I mean, no, I can't make that. You know, right. I can't make that connection. I mean, because you know, <clears throat> it's like anything else, man. The Bible tells a lot of stories. Mm -hmm. And those stories are told by men, you know, so, and you know as well as I do, once a story is told and so many people hear it and retell it, it, it there's often things that are changed or, right. you know, different from the very first part of the story. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you just have to take all that into consideration. There is more, more than likely a lot of truth in that, in that, you know, in those mm -hmm. stories. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's exact truth or not. It's hard to tell, man, but, um, you know, yeah, there's, you know, Neanderthal, man, they're, they're, they have proof of all of this. They also have found proof of little people. They found skeletons in caves, you know, of these little hominid creatures, um, you know, uh, and that wasn't that long ago. And these things are little bitty skeletons of humans, of human humanoid-type creatures. 
Right. Uh, and they they call them actually call them hobbits, you know. So, uh, and if you go to like if you've ever been to the Smithsonian or anything like that, I mean they have all these examples of different humanoid uh, human, you know, different uh, ape skeletons. And uh, like I said, they just found new a new species of orangutan. I mean, you have to take all that stuff into account, you know, into uh, consideration because they're finding new species every day, man, and you just never know what's out there. Um, there's thousands and thousands of reports from people, you know, all over the world and all over North America. And, and just, it's, it is what it is, man. You have to, you have to remain open-minded mm -hmm. and, you, you, you know, it's just waiting for more answers and then waiting for more proof. You know, one of these days, maybe somebody will either kill one or find a body of one, and then it'll be such to the extent that it's, there's no deny, you know, no denying it. It's real. It's there, and it may not ever happen. We don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Right. So, did you um? Since you said maybe somebody will find a body, did you hear the the story that happened probably in the eighties? that someone actually did find a Bigfoot body, and now if you look that up, the article was completely wiped out of the internet? Um, yeah, there's a lot, there's several different ones off mm -hmm. it. You know, you subscribe to the government conspiracy theories and all that, uh, you know, if you subscribe to that, then that may be a prime example of, of looking at that aspect of it. Right. Um, you know, it, it's a proven fact that our history is not told properly. There's many different cover-ups that have happened um, to meet the, you know, for whatever reason, there's a means to control us or a means to um, tell history the way they want it to be known, you know? So um, that, that stuff's being overturned uh, every week. You know, there's new things coming out um, that are showing that history is wrong. The, the history we're taught is not exactly correct. Sure. Only certain aspects have been being taught, you know, for whatever reason. What are they covering up? You know, what are they trying to hide? You know, mm -hmm. um, it's pretty it's pretty revealing if you look at all the different things out there. Like I said, the giant skeletons that have been found all over this country, uh, and particularly here in West Virginia and the surrounding states, uh, almost in every single example that I found during my research, almost immediately government agents or representatives of the government would come in, take these skeletons, and all traces would be gone. Overnight, you know, once the word got out that giant skeletons had been unearthed in a mound or someone was building a new house and they dug up these giant skeletons, uh, a bridge, you know, was being built and they found three giant skeletons here in West Virginia, almost immediately those skeletons would disappear. Mm, right. And... Some say that uh, the Smithsonian would come in, take them, and they're hidden in vaults in the underground in the Smithsonian. You know, why Why would that be the case? Why aren't these skeletons being talked about? Mm -hmm. because, <laughs> because is there a cover-up going on? You know, why Why did that happen? You know, sure. um, you have to take a hard look at that. Mm -hmm. So as we wind down here, we're about 40, 45 minutes into this thing, man. I want to get a little bit into little bit more about your book but first before we do that I want to talk about your first experience with your grandfather you were fishing I actually watched that episode of that show um, was there any more experiences that just completely terrified you as much as that one 
or have you had not had any more experiences? As far as Bigfoot goes, that's the only experience I've had other than when I've gone out and done investigations, you know, um, I've heard uh, callbacks, you know, um, mm. and I've heard, uh, I've done tree knocking and different things like that. And been out in the middle of nowhere, man, there's no people around and I've got uh, wood knocking back. I've heard strange, disturbing howls that don't sound like any animal I've ever heard in the woods. Mm. Um, stuff like that. Uh, never seen another one. And, you know, um, it's pretty terrifying when you're out in the middle of nowhere and there's nobody around and you hear these strange howls and callbacks, you know, after you've, I, what I do is I, I'll take out um, recordings of supposed Bigfoots that have been captured um, and I will blast them, do call blasting on a large speaker, you know, and, and then shut it off and listen. And I, at times I've got uh, calls back you know, that sound very similar. And it's a pretty spooky feeling when um, when that happens. Or do you take a, you know, I, I take, I used to play baseball. I played baseball all through high school and in college. And I take, you know, I'll take one of my old wooden bats out with me and smack a tree three or four times and listen. And sometimes you'll hear the same thing back back at you. You know, that's pretty, pretty freaking creepy, man, when you're sitting there thinking, okay, what the hell's doing this back to me? You know? And um, you, that'll happen on occasion. Mm. So this led to my next question, wood knocking. So what, apparently you've, you've done a lot of research of what you've said and how you wrote this book. You, you, there's a lot of research done into this. So what exactly, I know, I know wood knocking, I've seen the Bigfoot hunters, they take two blocks of wood and they knock them together. But how is that significant for a Bigfoot-like creature? Like, is that how they communicate with their others? Or what is yeah, that? that's um, that all started. Uh, some people had some experiences uh, hearing these things knocking on trees when there was multiple ones of them uh, reportedly in their accounts, and they they reported hearing these wood knocks, you know, these knock wood knocking sounds, mm -hmm. and it was coming from multiple directions. Like these things were doing this to communicate with each other. So that's how that all got started and put out there. And, you know, when you're doing investigations and research, you got to try those things to see if there's any, if, it, if there's any merit to it, you know, to try to find out, hey, is this how these things communicate? Are they doing this? They also are reportedly uh, said to use rocks, clack rocks together, too, as well. And they use various different, supposedly use various different vocalizations to communicate with each other. Um, I have one account from a woman in Florida that said, uh, it's pretty crazy account, you know, this woman said that her grandma lived out in the woods in Florida and uh, he uh, was said to have a family of Bigfoot that would visit her and she would leave food out on the porch for him and they would come every spring and she would leave food out and she'd get up the next morning and the food would be gone. And these things, she said that uh, her grandma told her when she was a little girl that these things would talk and they would talk like in a gibberish language that was kind of like, sounded like broken English, you know, kind of weird gibberish stuff that you can make out certain words and whatnot. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's just all kinds of accounts out there uh, from various types of people. And, you know, it's fascinating to me, man. All of it is it's just, it's nuts, you know. Right. So last few questions here as we wind down. Um, your book, man, I, I know how hard it is to write a book. I've written two. 
waiting on one to get published right now and trying to get the other one as well. So how long did it take you to write this book, West Virginia Bigfoot? Well, it was accounts that I had taken over the years of research and investigating. And uh, so <laughs> it wasn't, I never really planned to write a book, man. You know, it just right. happened. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had enough accounts and whatnot and, and things. Uh, and during my research and stuff over the years, and I, you know, I met a guy, I, I met David Weatherly, we became friends, and, you know, he, uh, he's the one that, he has his own publishing company, and he told me, well, you should write a book on that, and you have enough stuff to do it, and that's what happened, man, I did it, it's published now, and, you know, uh, I also just finished a, another book, and I have four more in the work, works on the paranormal, so, uh, you know, I don't just research Bigfoot. I, I research right. investigate every known aspect of the paranormal, ghosts, UFOs, the whole nine yards. So, you know, I have several projects in the works as we speak. Just finished my second book. I have a series coming out that I'm working on. So have you ever, um, so this is kind of like a autobiography history book, um, West Virginia Bigfoot, but you said you got a trilogy or, or a series coming out. Is this more accounts or is it just like a this is uh book? the series i'm working on is uh all dealing with hauntings in west virginia because i've done so many investigations literally hundreds man over my over my years mm -hmm. uh that i decided you know what i got enough stuff here to just do a series of books in, about west virginia hauntings mm -hmm. um you know um I'm one of the. I'm the only person that's ever been allowed to investigate the actual Greenbrier Ghost House, uh, where the woman, you know, it's a famous ghost story, uh, one of the most famous ones out there, where uh, a man was convicted supposedly of murder by a ghost testimony, and I'm the only person ever that's ever been allowed, the only professional investigator ever been allowed to investigate that house that the murder happened in mm. here in West Virginia. So I have tons of accounts like that. Um, you know, I tell a little bit of history of the of the county, and then uh, go into the known uh, folklore and haunting, known hauntings in the, in those county in the counties of West Virginia. So, you know, I've done so many man, so many investigations here in the state. It's crazy. So I have enough. I have enough to do a series of books on that. So that's what I'm doing. Cool, man. So I'm. I want to get the book. I'm going to get the book in a couple weeks. Um, when my paycheck for this podcast comes back. So you guys go get go over to Amazon. It's actually in the introduction if you want to go back and listen to it, guys. Um, it's on Amazon. It's called West Virginia Bigfoot by Dave Spinks. Um, so I appreciate you doing this, man, and hopefully I'll have you on another time. Talk. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. Enjoyed it. All right, man. Appreciate it.